You are listening to Absent Minded, brought to you by Habs Eyes on the Prize.com. Hello and welcome to Absent Minded. Uh, my name is Jared Buck, and we're gonna start talking about the the Tampa Bay Lightning. There's recent events that make the Lightning uh, one of the more interesting uh, previews that we're going to be doing. Uh, Joining me today is is Justin Godfrey, the managing editor at Raw Charge, who uh, is the Lightning uh, site at our For Hockey Fans network. Uh, Justin, how are you? Good, good. How are you doing today, Jared? I'm I'm good. Uh, Thank you for, for asking. And uh, I, I hate to do this to you, but I'm going to have to start asking about uh, the goaltending situation in, in Tampa. Obviously, it's a position that hasn't had to be thought about very much uh, in recent years. But uh, for the first two months of the season, there's there's a big question mark there. Yeah. And uh, yeah, it's I mean, it's the number one question on everybody's mind. You know, uh, I thought I'd be a good writer and get everything done early. So I did my season preview about two weeks ago, ended up scrapping that because when your you know, Vesna winning all world goalie gets hurt for two months, it really changes the way at least the beginning of the season looks. Um, and so right now it looks like the duo is going to be Joh- uh, Jonas Johansson and Matt Tompkins, who combined for, I believe, a grand total of five NHL games of experience. Uh, so things, uh, you know, it was always, it was going to be a questionable season to begin with, just with some of the other losses that they've had on the roster. And now taking Andre Vasilevsky out of the deal, you know, just kind of makes that a bigger question. Because uh, I know the Lightning were really, really looking forward to starting off the season strong. I think they kind of thought last year, um, they got behind the eight ball a little bit last year and we're, we're chasing things. Um, so yeah, it definitely makes for an interesting October and November. Yeah. And the, the, let's face it, the lightning are not strangers of, you know, big players getting hurt uh, before a season starts. I mean, um, you know, there, there's been Stamkos has been out for, for a long time. Uh, Kucherov obviously uh, as well. But but it's a little bit different a goalie because you can't ask uh, Braden Point to just step up and uh, other guys to step up. It, it's it's really coming down to you know who you have on the roster and the back of goalie in Tampa Bay has not really been much of a um, prized position. I would say. <laughs> I mean, it, it's more of you know where can we get somebody who will help us on the cap more than uh, who will actually you know someone who's actually going to be asked to play many games. So, so what, what's kind of the, the thinking there, you know, the, the conventional wisdom is that they're going to go out and get somebody else, but is that the, the feeling that you get? Um, um, I, 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 yeah, I think Julian Breesbach is kind of keeping an eye on the waiver wire. I don't know if he's willing to, to part with any assets as far as a trade um, for a goalie that, you know, chances are by mid November or yeah, probably mid December, he's got a wave. Um, so I think he's kind of keeping an eye, see what's going on with some of the other teams may be doing. He says he's good to go with the goaltending that he has right now. Um, and it was kind of a, you know, signing Johansson in the first place was kind of an interesting move this summer, just because in the past, like you said, you know, they've kind of just gone out, grabbed a veteran, Brian Elliott, Curtis, uh, Curtis McElhinney, you know, it's just someone who's willing to play for the league minimum, suit up for 
20 games or so and just give the team a chance to win. Uh, they went out and got Johansson as a free agent. Um, you know, a little bit of a younger guy. I think he's 28. Uh, has a lot of potential, would never really seem to put it together with Colorado. Um, so when they signed it, kind of raised some eyebrows. Is you know, Why are they going with this younger guy? And I think we kind of see why. Um, you know, this this issue that Vasilevsky's deal with, while they haven't come out and said it, um, I think he's been kind of – he hasn't been right since the middle of last year. He mentioned it in his exit interview after the season that his body kind of let him down. And he had some issues with rehabbing. So I do think this was always, while not the number one thing that could have happened, um, was something that Julian Breesbaugh was kind of keeping an eye out for. They don't have a lot of goalies in their system that are NHL ready. Uh, their number one prospects, Hugo Almafel, who's probably two, about two years away from being an NHL level goalie. So, you know, signing Johansson, Tompkins was brought in actually to, to kind of partner with felt down in Syracuse. So that was kind of the original plan is, hey, we'll bring this veteran from Europe, um, could split time with the young kid until uh, felt traded back up Vasilevsky. Then it gets all blown out of the water. Some fans wanted felt to, to um, be the backup, but I think it's better for him to be getting ice time down in Syracuse as opposed to sitting on a bench in, in Tampa. Um, so overall, it's, it's not where they want to be, but yeah. It's going to be interesting. I think in October they can ride Johansson pretty much most of the games. I was looking at the schedule. It's kind of a light schedule to start off the season, not too many back-to-backs or anything. So I think we'll just be seeing a lot of him. Hopefully you know, he can come through. He's done everything they've asked in the preseason. He's made two starts and hasn't let up a goal yet. So I don't think you can get any better than <laughs> that to, to start off your career and just hopefully he can carry it over into the regular season when we start next week. And and I guess you know the, the Lightning are, are so used to success, uh, and and have a, a group of forwards and and defenders that are just kind of, you know, okay, we, we you know we'll we'll take this on ourselves. Like they they you know it's almost like a, a challenge uh, a little bit. So I I think where, you know, maybe he gives up, uh, maybe a, a a you know on average a goal, even a goal more on average than Vasilevsky. And the, the the team will work to to try and cover that up in other ways, either um, in what they do. And um, it, it's going to be very interesting, though, because it's a kind of adversity. Because even when they had the adversity in the past, it's like, oh, well, the Vasilevsky will just, you know, be, be back there and we'll be OK. So it's a, it's a, it's a little bit different of a uh, bit of adversity, but it's going to be interesting. And, and, and back to your point about when, you know, lingering injuries, uh, Montreal... Uh, has not had three Stanley Cup runs, but they've had one Stanley Cup final run, uh, and they lost basically three players from that um, who have <laughs> barely played or never will play again right. after after that one single run. So uh, I can see how maybe you know multiple uh, playoff runs can can make a difference on 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 somebody's on someone's body, um, even though last year itself was was maybe not as um, deep as as they would have liked, but. I guess let, let, let's move on to that. Uh, what what are the expectations? I mean, you know, Tampa Bay is a perennial contender. Uh, they they you know they they've made it they made it to three straight Stanley Cup Finals. Um, what is kind of the the expectation after last year? Is the expectation to to get back into to the second round? Obviously, the playoffs are are kind of a uh, a, a low low bar, but what's kind of the expectations uh, going into what what should be another playoff appearance? 
Yeah, I I would say they're probably, you know, looking at it, probably a second, third round kind of team. Um, I know if you ask the coaching staff and, and the owners, you know, their regular season goals always make the playoffs go from there. Um, I don't think they're in that top, top elite kind of level anymore. Um maybe a, a step below that where you know, they, they do still have Stanley cup aspirations. They still have the talent on the team uh, to, to be one of the best teams in the East. But yeah, I don't think it's a, you're going to pencil them into the Eastern conference final this year, um, especially with the way the division is going to be. I think it's, I think our division right now is going to be one of the toughest ones. Um, even the teams that have struggled over the last few years have a lot of young talent. I think the, the gap between the top and the bottom has narrowed quite a bit. You know, I probably put Toronto at the top right now. Tampa, Boston, second, you know, and then pretty much everybody else battling out for the last couple of wild card spots. But uh, yeah, so I'm, I'm thinking, you know, definitely a playoff team should uh, compete pretty well in the first round. Looking at the second round, anything above that, I think would be a bit of a bonus this year, honestly, just you know, just with how tough the East is in general and the Atlantic is in specific. So, yeah, it, it's it's interesting because the, there's only so much, so so much room for improvement for for the the top of the division, right? Like, there's only so much that the Tampa's and the Toronto's and even Florida, to a certain extent, can can improve. And then you have these these teams like the the Ottawa's and uh, Buffalo and and Detroit's that are you know getting better every year just because of their young players and and you know boston obviously had their big losses uh at center uh and they're kind of you know in between the two and and it's gonna be fascinating i i say this to everybody that that has come on that um you know as as a person who follows the canadians just kind of sit back and watch the the battle royale (laughs) in front of us and then kind of just adjust from there um but but without having any pressure because i i think you really do have like seven teams that expect to make the playoffs and and obviously not all seven will be able to make the playoffs and and it'll be very very interesting um you know there's so much um familiarity i think with this tampa team because it's it's the same the same people um you know that that have, you know the, that are the core of this team uh and even the the younger guys have, have become established and, and into that um into that core as well uh what what's the feeling among the fan base with in terms of steven stamkos's comments because uh you know obviously it's a guy who's been around for a while, obviously on the, you know, the back nine of his career, uh, not the same situation he was in the last time he was a pending unrestricted free agent for obvious reasons, but what's kind of the feeling of the fan base? Like, do they sense that he understand his frustration and then, but, but understand not giving him a long-term deal. Like what was kind of the, the, the feeling uh, surrounding yeah. that? Yeah. I mean, you never want to see your captain, you know, say things about, you know, not really being in communication with the GM <laughs> and you know, that's, that's never a great sign, but at the same time, uh, like you said, um, I, it, it's hard. I, I see both sides of the story. Uh, you know, Stamkos, you know, for all he's done with this, for this franchise, I mean, he is, I mean, when you talk about the face of a franchise and not just currently, but for the entire 30 years they've been on the ice, you know, it's Steven Stamkos. Um, and he's not done playing. I mean, he's been productive in the last 
two, three years. Uh, he's been more than productive. He's been over a point a game player, you know, scoring 30 goals with no problem at all. So he knows he still has, you know, a few years left in him and he's not going to pay play for the minimum. He wants to be rewarded for what he's doing. But at the same time, you know, Julian Buzois got, he had other things kind of on the plate. They had to um, get Brandon Hagel locked up, um, which he managed to do. Had to figure out the Tanner Genot, uh situation, which is their biggest RFA, which he did. And then just not knowing what the salary cap was going to be that, uh, next year. You can't just be like, all right, Steven, here's $7 million a year for five years. But it's, you know, next year it's going to cost us two key pieces and you're going to be playing on a, you know, a mid-range team. I, I do think they're going to get it worked out. I think he's going to stay in Tampa. I don't see him signing with anybody else, really. And it's just a matter of we're starting to get the idea of where the cap's going to be, who the Lightning are going to have next year. You know, there there's going to be some contract stuff freeing up a little bit. So I think probably sometime January, February, they announce a, an extension and he, he sticks around for another three or four years. Uh, gets to the 600-goal plateau, a couple more milestones to chalk off on his Hall of Fame career. So, you know, it's it was one of those summer stories where if he had said it in, you know, February, it probably not as big a deal, but since nothing else was going on, kind of yeah. got blown up o- Opening bit, of training know? camp. Opening yeah, of training yeah, camp. Opening of training <laughs> camp, yeah. Star, star center doesn't want, you know, the captain doesn't know where he's playing next year. So, yeah. So, but, yeah, I, it, it made some waves, but I think, a lot of people understand where both sides are coming from. So it's, it's like you said, it's nowhere near what Stammergeddon was, you know, <laughs> eight years ago when you got Canadian tire, you know, offering him sponsorship deals and oh my God, he's going to go play for the Maple Leafs. It's going to be horrible. So yeah, I think they worked it out. And everything's fantastic. So yeah, it, it's, I, I don't think we're going to have to wait till June for, for the resolution of, of no, this one. No, it'll be, uh, yeah. So. Um and, and yeah, l- l- like you said, I, I understand where he's coming from. Um, and, and I understand where the team is coming from. It's like, listen, we, you know, we have things to take care of. Um, you know, you're you're not, you know, he's probably going to take a pay cut. I, I don't see him getting, you know, the the same amount or even, um, you know, the the same percentage on the cap. Obviously, yeah, um, yeah, it's so yeah somewhere, it's, yeah, somewhere around like what Malkin signed for last year. I think is a good kind yeah. of, you know gauge of where what his deal may be so you know somewhere seven eight million dollars it's it's gonna be fine yeah and the, the shorter right. the deal the shorter deal the higher you can put the cap hit too because it, yeah. it doesn't really you don't have to bounce balance around uh that much um i, I want to ask about um someone that that canadians fans know pretty well uh and that's that's mikhail Shogachev. um you know he's he's entering the first season of his new contract um as the highest paid defender on this team, obviously, you know, he signed the contract in a different landscape than Victor Hedman did. Um, but w- what are, what are kind of the expectations on him? Like, is he the guy that you can build the future of the defense around? Is, is that the expectation? Um, or, or is it someone that you're going to have to, you know, piece other people in and, uh, and kind of find someone to, to join him uh, on that defense? I think he is, he is going to be the cornerstone of the defense moving forward. Um, Hedman, I believe, has two years left on his deal. Um, and is kind of, I think we're kind of at that phase where they're kind of 1A and 1B as far as how they're going to be used this year. Um, the torch is kind of being passed a little bit. Hedman, I think, was dealing with some nagging injuries, didn't have the greatest year last year. But Sergachev really stepped up. Um, he almost doubled his offensive production. 
He saw um, pretty much the majority of the season as the number one option on the power play back at the point, kind of taking Edmonds' role from that. And um, he just – some of his defensive reads just got a lot better than what we had seen over the first few years of his career. I think he made a huge step um, into, into kind of taking that number one role. And, you know, this year I think you're going to see even more of it um, as far as him still being – you know, the number one guy on the power play, quarterbacking that. Um, fans have a kind of a weird relationship with him because it seems like every mistake he ever makes on the ice ends up in the back of the net. And he'll still make some some just wildly bad passes in, the, in his own zone, basically on the stick to, you know, an opposing forward right in the middle of the net. You know, he's done that two or three times. And it's just like, wow, not even sure what you were looking at there, Miguel, but, Mikel, but you know, whatever. But then he'll, you know, spend the rest of the game playing 26 minutes of really solid lockdown defense. And he's gotten better at shutting plays off as they come into the zone. Um, like I said, reading the plays, he's really picked up to the defensive side of his game. He's worked really hard at over the last couple of years to improve. And he's always going to have that offensive flair. Um, I think he changed his stick last year. He said was part of the reason why he started to shoot a little bit better, get a little more shots on net, ended up with 10 goals, which ties his career high. And so, yeah, he's going to be, I think, you know, in two years, it's, he's going to be the undisputed number one guy on the defense in Tampa. How long do do you think and the fans think that this this window will last, right? Because, uh, you know, the Sergeyev is only 25, Brain Point's 27, but then you have Kucherov who's 30, you mentioned Stamkos at 33. Uh, even a guy like Sorelli, who I think is one of like the new guys, uh, is, is 26. Um there's no first round picks till 2026 um, for obvious reasons. The, the Hegel, um, the Hegel trade, the Janot trade, how, how long is this window realistically open and um, what's kind of the, the next stage uh, like, or or are people not really thinking about that yet? They're just riding the wave that that the lightning are on right now. I think we're still kind of riding that wave. (laughs) Um, It's, you know, I used to be a big prospects guy, big, you know, you got to hold on to your first round picks. You got to draft well. And now it's like, you know what? You only get so many shots at, at, at wood in the title. You know, if if he wants, if Breezeball wants to trade the next six first round picks, go ahead. Um, just do what you got to do to keep this window open. And personally, I've always believed as long as Vasilevsky is a top tier goalie, they have a shot at winning the cup. Um it's going to be interesting to see how the transition goes once I would say Stamkos and Hedman, you know, decide to hang up. Honestly, I, I think Hedman could play until he's probably 45. He's got, he's just a bigger version of Nick Lindstrom. Um, so as long as he stays healthy, you know, he can skate forever, do what he wants to do. till like I said, he decides to leave. Uh, Stamkos, probably a little bit shorter window. Um, Kucherov, again, probably could play forever if he wanted to. Uh, he's just, so smooth when he's when he's on his game it's always been a question of who are going to be the next you know top line players for him and that's kind of where the issue is going to be is they can churn out these middle six bottom six forwards all day long the Anthony Sorelli's the Ross Colton's um but when you start losing that high-end talent that's when I think the window truly truly starts to close because then you just can't keep up with the offenses of Toronto and uh, Colorado and the other teams, the other elite teams. So I, I would say this current version of the team probably got two or three more 
solid years. And then depending on how Brisbane manages the transfer of talent, you know, they're really good at finding small pieces. Nobody expected Hagel to put up 30, 35 goals. So <laughs> we'll see. We'll see how it goes from there, you know. <laughs> Yeah, it, it, it's kind of interesting because, I mean, th- there's always a sense to, yeah, plan for the future. But, I mean, unless you're going to draft uh, another Kucherov or Stamkos or Point, then what's the point of holding on to those picks when you already have those players? <laughs> it, exactly. It's just kind of... Yeah, and that's, yeah, that's kind of the thing. Is like, you know, whenever the trade deadline rolls around, people are like, oh, they need to get this, that, and, you know, the other. Like, where's, you know, where's Patrick King going to fit on the lightning? Are you going to put him on the top two lines? <laughs> Probably not. So, you know... At this point, they don't need it. They will in the future, and they're kind of hoping a couple, couple of their prospects like um, Ethan Gauthier or Isaac Howard can kind of eventually merge into that role. But again, you're looking at three, four years down the road. You know, they still got time to develop, but uh, it's going to be interesting. You know, once you know, once Stamco steps away, I think it's going to be the the big transition for the team, just because now you're looking at who's the next leader, you know, who's your next top power play guy things like that so but hopefully that's you know something to worry about in 2029 or something like that yeah just just kick it yeah. keep kicking the can down the road go, go exactly. to playoffs yeah. a few more times and yeah. and by then you know who knows if breeze was even still around and exactly you know, yeah, and that's good that's what i've always loved about you know people criticizing gms for trading you know future <laughs> assets it's like yeah but by the time it blows up they're gonna be long gone anyway so <laughs> you know you'll, you'll be off running the canadians or something like that yeah so. it, 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 exactly like it, it it's always funny because even even montreal and, and they're still you know smack in the middle of a rebuild they already have the GM being like, uh, you know, why why would I collect 18-year-olds? You know, like, yeah. we, we, we need more, you know, 21, 22-year-olds. I might as well trade my picks for, for those guys than, uh, than just, yeah. you know, collecting guys for, for down the road. And, and even Montreal, I mean, most of the prospects that are in the organization now were, were – Collected by Mark Bergevin, who was fired right as the rebuild started in in <laughs> in earnest. So it's it's just yeah, it's it's always interesting to to see the GMs get criticized because in in the end, it's not really their problem. If Tampa Bay starts losing a lot, guess what? He's not going to have to stick around anyway. If, yeah, if and- that if that twenty twenty five first rounder is really high, then guess what? He's probably not going to be around very much. So yeah, yeah. Um, it, it's it's always a catch twenty two. But yeah, I mean, when you have a um, a group of players as strong as, as, as you have, as Tampa has, it, it's kind of where, where Chicago and those teams got into trouble is that they started overpaying for like that second tier of player. Um, and, and, you know, getting into Cassidy's, but this, in this, the cap is going up. It's, it's a different scenario and the players are, are different too. Like you mentioned a bunch of players that, you know, could play you know, long term, and, and and I think that's that's true. And and you know, they still have nobody on the roster. Like, you know, the only the only players over thirty two are, are Stamkos and Wendenning. Who yeah. so you know, it, it's not like they're all uh, on on the other side of thirty. It's you know, there there's still a lot of players in their upper twenties, and you know, you still have a good five six years at least of of produ- production out of those guys. So it's, yeah, it, it's not as dire. Uh, I know when the Hegel contract came, I was like, ooh, I don't know about that. But but looking at their at their roster now, it's like no, they they still have like a good three four years of their their core players still here. Like it's not it's not that dire. Um, just the the fam- the familiarity of the names just. 
we see them all the time. They must be really old, and they're really not. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's, yeah, that's kind of yeah. Like 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 you said with Sorelli, it's one. It's like oh yeah, you know, it's he, you still think of him as a young kid, and was like no, he's been around for a while. So, um, and then there was a little bit of a focus. You know, they they did cut out some of the. You know, they had Corey Perry, they had Pat Maroon, yeah, um, Pierre Edward Bellamar. You know, the last couple of years, and they did let him go this year, and. And the Connor Sheeries and um, Tyler Motts that they brought in are a little bit younger. So he did kind of focus on adding a little more speed to the forward units. That I mean, the fourth line, as great as they were in 2019-20, yeah, the first run, um, you know, last year, or, yeah, sorry, 2020-2021 and is when that school bus line kind of came together with Maroon, um, Bellamar, and Perry. Uh, they were really good that year, but last year they just looked so slow on the ice when they were out there, and you, you just can't have that in today's game. Um, even your fourth line has to be able to move, has to be able to forecheck, and so you know, getting Glenn Denning, getting Sheary, Tyler Mott, those guys are going to really help them out when the stars aren't on the ice. Just tilt the ice back down, keep it out of their own zone, and um, kind of yeah. So that's I think that's kind of what the philosophy was this year: is get a little bit younger. Um, get a little bit faster uh, so you can compete with Toronto when they're running their three or four lines out there at you all day long. So it was, you know, and that helps, you know, extend that window out a little bit more. Yeah, absolutely. You know, and, you know, if you can get uh, a revolving door of, you know, 27, 28 year olds, um, it's, it's, it's very easy to to keep that window open. um, If you can get that, the, the depth to, to help you out uh, in those ways. And, you know, Hegel and Deneau are, are pretty much examples of that, right? They're a little bit older, you know, like they, they traded for them, but they're not like, you know, your typical, um, you know, rental player um, at the trade deadline. Like they, they're, they're on the younger side, they have team control uh, in, in, in both cases. And then they were able to extend, uh, assign Deneau as an RFA and then extend Hegel as well. So yeah, you can definitely yeah. see that process is, is built around, you know, keeping, keeping the team competitive, kind of a more of a Pittsburgh model um, of just trying to keep it as competitive as possible, but obviously um, a lot more than just the two, two, three guys that Pittsburgh has in Tampa. Right. There's, there's a lot more, uh, especially the goalie, right? I think that's the biggest difference is that, um, you know, Pittsburgh never really had that goalie after, after Marc-Andre Fleury and um, they would get hot and then not hot. And then they're, they're still kind of looking to, to fix that around. So yeah, it's, it's definitely, um, everything about the, the lightning organization has been like kind of like a, a, a more modern refined version of what came before it. And, and I think even their, their, the, the back end of this, this contention window um, is, is different than the, the Chicago's and the Pittsburgh and even the Washington's like, it, it's just a, a different feel and, and it's more, more developed. And I think a lot of that is because they had so much depth that they were able to trade. You know, you think about all the players that, have gone through, <laughs> gone through Tampa who are elsewhere in the league, you know, the, um, the, you know, Matthew Joseph is one that comes to mind and, and, and guys like that, where they would get their, get their, their NHL debut with Tampa and then um, go to be traded somewhere else. The, the, the Hegel trade is a good example of that. Uh, and it's just, uh, it's fascinating to see um from an outsider's perspective, how, how this is still going after Iserman, right? Because that was um, a big question of, okay, what's, what's next. And, and Julian Beersbaugh seems to be stepping up there. 
Yeah, and yeah, he definitely, you know, he, he learned that model. I mean, he, he have a, kind of have phases, you know. I think when Eisman was here, he was big on building up the assets, building up, the, you know, he was a guy who was like, I'll trade this guy for a couple of picks or a young player. And then you make that transition. And, okay, we have the pieces now. Now we got to fill it out with the veterans. Um, and Breeze Blah kind of took the one more step uh, after Eisman left. And for my GMs, I want them to be – a little cold, cold hearted, if you will. Um, Cause I, I think the thing that kills Stanley cup windows more than anything is nostalgia. <laughs> um, and the lightning could have re-signed Andre Palat. They could have re-signed Alex Killorn, like two players who are absolutely beloved by this franchise and the fan base. But he's like, you know what, if I do that, it's gonna, it's not going to make us a better team. Yes. They're really good players and yes, they can still produce, but what I'm going to have to get rid of, in order to f- afford what they got paid isn't going to help our team out. And every time he's on the podium, Griezmann says, my job is to give this team the best chance on the ice right now to win the Stanley Cup. So that's why he trades four draft picks and a defenseman for Tanner Janot. <laughs> you know, that's why he gave up Boris Kachuk and um, Taylor Radish for Brandon Hagel and then, what, two first-round picks. Um, so, yeah, I don't if, – if your GM's like, well, hey, man – Everybody really likes this guy. I got to keep him around. And, and the same thing could happen to Stamkos, honestly. You know, at the end of the day, Stamkos may say, you know, this is what I want. I'm not taking any less. And I think Breezeball is the guy who'll be like, okay, you know what? Thank you for everything. We're going to have a very nice, you know, ceremony when you come back to play with your new team. <laughs> and we're going to, you know, retire your number when you retire. But, you know, thanks. Have a great day. We'll We'll find somebody else. So... You know, nobody wants to see that, but I think you kind of need a GM that can do that. You yeah. Know? So, you know, he's just signing guys because everybody likes them. Then, you know, enjoy being, you know, fighting for a wild card spot or, you know, playing golf in the summer. So, yeah. If Stamkos wants to leave, he can join Tampa Bay Late Legends, uh, Martin St. Louis, and Vanilla Cavalier in Montreal. Yeah, exactly. Um, and, oh, guys. and every time, guys, what two decades when you finally got Lecavier in Montreal? Yeah, exactly. <laughs> all, all it took was hiring, you know, his brother's coworker and uh, <laughs> getting getting him involved, uh, his former agent. Um, yeah, but yeah, you know, it, it's it's funny because branch, you know, I always think of the branch Ricky quote: um, "It's better to get rid of a player to a year too early than a year too late." Right. Um, and and yep. I think that that's kind of the model that they're they're going with is like, listen, this guy is still good, but we we you know this is the time that we have to do it. We can't sign him and then try and get rid of him, um, and, and things like that. And that's that's you know being proactive is so important um, with that. But yeah, it's it's always funny to see the 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 connections between the Canadians and the Lightning because it's not only um, Le Cavalier and, and Saint Louis, but um, the, there's a certain AHL coach in in uh, Syracuse right now that has ties to to the to the Canadians organization yeah. as well as Joel Bouchard and it, it's uh, it, it's always fascinating to see that that, that <laughs> they, they they kind of coexist and then you know just when you thought the Syracuse rivalry was was tempering down a bit it's uh, I think it'll be back in a vengeance this year oh yeah, um, yeah. It, that that first game in Syracuse I think they play in Syracuse first is going to be. Uh, it's gonna be very interesting, I think, uh, because uh, Bouchard didn't leave on the 
the, the the greatest of terms and obviously the people who were involved back in that decision are no longer with the organization but yeah it's still still a lot of emotion and uh yeah, you still want to stick it to the team though right I mean, even, like, exactly. so even if the guys who did it aren't there it's like yeah well you know what i could still be there <laughs> but no i'm having fun in in syracuse now so yeah ex- exactly it'll be very very interesting obviously when he was in san diego it wasn't very wasn't very yeah. close there wasn't very much rivalry <laughs> but now it's it's gonna be a little bit different and obviously stepping in for uh, another guy that has, you know, always been linked to coaching openings in in Montreal is is uh, right. Benoit Grew. So yeah, it's 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 always funny how you know geographically these two teams are not very close, but there, there's always these intersections of um, there's the whole Corey Perry thing. There, there's there's a bunch of these little obviously the the Sergachev trade. The, the, there's a lot of those little little instances where it's like oh the, the, there is yeah. there is that rivalry you know it's <laughs> there, there is that rivalry and obviously those playoff meetings in the middle of the the 2010s um, oh yeah in uh you know i think back-to-back years um played into that as well but yeah it's, it, it was funny because last year um uh i, I had, we had dave randorf on um for to talk about lightning and he's like you know when 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 the lightning and when the canadians come to tampa there, there's going to be a, a special event and um that sat in my head and I'm like and then you know they unveiled the hall of fame and i'm like oh that, that that's what that's yeah, gonna that's, be <laughs> and it was kind of funny because you know when they announced that they were gonna do the hall of fame you kind of look and they're like oh yeah we're gonna do it a weekend in march and then you kind of look <laughs> at that weekend and you're like okay they got a couple of days off afterwards marty's gonna be in town Vinny still spends a lot of time down here yeah you know yeah i have a feeling that's gonna be the weekend where all the festivities <laughs> And then this year, I think right around the same time, Philly's in town. So as much as John Tortorella would probably hate to be named into a Hall of Fame of anything, especially <laughs> during a season, I have a feeling it may happen that weekend too. So it'll be interesting to see if he partakes in any kind of ceremonies if they do, <laughs> do that. So, but yeah, it's yeah the the time like I got I remember like the Darcy Tucker trade things like that right, all yeah. the way back then. Um, yeah, the Lightning gonna get this great young two-way agitating forward and tucker and oh uh, yeah and then of course you know like i alluded to earlier spent the entire 2000s hearing about Vinny getting traded to montreal every, <laughs> right. every deadline so <laughs> I, I remember i remember um at, when the all-star game was here so probably uh, 2009 I, I think it probably was um there was like the the fan fest and they had like all these vendors and i recall you know, there was a, a, a number four jersey of Le Cavier on the back um, <laughs> hanging up. And um, yeah, I mean, oh, and there's always, you know, always the, the Brian Lawton. Uh, oh, yeah. The the Brian Lawton, you know, trade that that never happened. That Exactly, uh, yeah. That that doesn't make sense and, you know, couldn't <laughs> have made sense. And oh, yeah, it was Price and Subban. And, yeah, it was uh, like Price, yeah. Subban, and one other player for Stamkos. And, yeah. Yeah. It was- <laughs> got nixed by the league or got nixed by the ownership and, yeah, yeah exactly yeah it, yeah it's just what always fun when that comes up but yeah it's yep. it, it's uh thank you so much for for taking the time uh i, I know that you know we, we make fun of of tampa but but i think you know deep down i think every team wants to be tampa <laughs> and, yeah, if they, yeah, and if they and if they don't want to be tampa um they're lying right so yeah. <laughs> it's it's one of those things where you know and and you know if you go back you know 20 25 years tampa wanted to be that team too so it's just yeah, yeah. it's um it's always interesting but yeah it's it's th- this division is going to be a, a bloodbath for the next five years i think um, oh yeah I, I, it's it's going to be a lot of fun and i think the the playoff format is is you know if it stays the same 
um, it's going to be even more intense than than it might be now because the the windows are not closing anywhere, <laughs> really. Um, Justin, thank you so much uh, for taking the time. Um, good luck with, with raw charge uh, and you. and everything that comes with um, being being <laughs> newly uh, independent and and uh, with yeah, four sorry, and and, network and yeah, yeah exactly new network out, and, so. yeah exactly <laughs> so um, best of luck and, and enjoy the season. You too. Yep. Thanks. Have a good one. Thank you for everything.